In all things, we are thankful that you are God. In the crushing, we are thankful that you are God. In abundance, we are thankful that you are God. In our failures, we are thankful that you are God. In our successes, we are thankful that you are God. We are thankful that you are Father, that you are Son, and that you are Holy Spirit. We are thankful that you created all things, that it was by your power you spoke the universe into existence, planets aligned at your command, and creation and all the intricate systems of life were born of your breath. We are thankful that you, Jesus, chose to come and reside among us, to teach us, to be crushed for us, and then rise again so that we may be made right in your eyes. We are thankful that in your abundance of life, we can have life to the fullest. We are thankful that you, Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, are still alive in us today. It is by your grace that you guide us both through our failures and into our successes. We are thankful that you are God. Amen. And so when we talk about thankfulness, I I couldn't help. Thankfulness or, or choosing to be full of thanks is a choice. And when we, when we think about this, it, it doesn't matter what we're going through in life. In the midst of every circumstance in life, whether it's extreme highs or extreme lows, that we can choose to be thankful. I believe that with the right perspective, we can be thankful. Now, here's what I want to say. It doesn't mean that you're always going to be smiling. All right? There's going to be times where you're mourning. There's going to be times where you're happy. There's going to be times where you're, where you're filled with sadness of maybe something that is going on, but, but you can choose in those situations still to be thankful. And like the video that we saw is, I'm thankful that I'm alive. I'm thankful that you haven't left me. I'm thankful that you are here with me. And so I believe that perspective is everything as we go through life. I mean, um, if, if you have the privilege of raising children or had have the privilege of raising children, you understand that, that everything isn't always fantastic. But you're thankful because God gave you a gift. God put in your hands responsibility And you may not have done everything right, and that's okay, because God also gives you grace, right? And maybe you've been in a relationship that is challenging, and if you've been in any friendship whatsoever with anyone, there's been moments where it could be challenging. I don't mean catastrophic and dramatic, I mean just challenging. Maybe someone just rubs you the wrong way, right? But in that, you can still be thankful, right? Thankful that God's put those people in your path. See, I believe that we so often as human beings, um, we we don't, well, let me say Westerners, we don't want to struggle through stuff. 
Okay? We want everything to come easy. It should, right? We're Americans. It should just come easy. And when we hit a wall, our struggle, sometimes we, we go into panic mode. And, but anybody who's human in this place knows that those times of struggle are normally when we're, we're, uh, we're being tested, maybe, or character is being built. Uh, and, and so we need to be actually thankful for those times. But I want to I look at this morning, I want to look at Ezekiel 37. Um, and here's what I want to do. We're, what we're doing is when we're, we, we look at this passage, we're looking at a vision uh, by the prophet Ezekiel. And what he's doing is looking over a valley of dry bones. And I'm just going to read to you rather quickly, but hang on. It should be on the screen. Uh, and it says, The Lord took me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to the valley filled with dry bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. In other words, he got a great view. Uh, he was going back and forth, um, and he got a great view of what was going on. And, and they were, it continues, it says, They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he, uh, then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you, oh, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as the Lord told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these bodies that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded, and breath came into the bodies. They all came to life and stood to their feet a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and I will cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. And so we look at this and we, we see that the context for this is huge because we're talking about Israel as the subject. This is God's chosen people who were in ex exile as a result of their disobedience. And so we see this and in the vision, what we can learn is this. Point number one is this, that God is a God of restoration. And so when we see this, and if you're taking notes, you can write that down. 
all right? And I pardon myself for the Lakeland colors, um, but it's fall. What can I say? All right? And so God is a God of restoration. See, he is speaking something here. And what we need to understand when he speaks, see, they had something to say. They were taking, he was taking people who thought themselves dead, even though they were alive. They thought themselves dead. And what is he doing? Well, they spoke words over their own lives. But God spoke over them. And here's what we need to understand with this. Is the second point is this, that when God speaks, things listen. See, the reality is this, that that God's plan is restoration and nothing is going to stand in his way. We speak things over our lives. We speak things over people's lives even. But when God speaks, we better hold up because we better recognize that God is going to do something. And so it's also telling a story of this. this. This story is also telling a story of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit would come upon people and task them to do things. We've seen that throughout the Old, the Old Testament. What, what we see here, though, is that breath of life is being breathed in. Now, we, we think about this, and we go back to the formation of Adam. What, God formed Adam, and then he breathed into him, right? Now, I want us to, to realize something, that, that when the Holy Spirit comes in to our lives, that, that it, is, it is something that, that begins to change us internally and then externally, in Ezekiel's life, this, this happened. If you go back in Ezekiel, I believe it's Ezekiel 3, that, that he is twice prostrate before God, and then God raises him up. He's experienced this. He, he, was, he was on the ground, and then God raised him up. And so what he's saying here and what he's seeing here is that God is a God of restoration, that when God speaks, things listen, and that this is the third point is this. God's spirit changes us from the inside out. It absolutely changes. Well, I don't feel like I'm changing. Are you allowing the Spirit to move in your life? If you give that permission, I guarantee you, there will change, change will begin to take place. It cannot not happen. And so what we're going to do, we're going to turn right now to, to John 3. John and John 3 Jesus is being questioned. Now, this is cool because by this guy, Nicodemus, right? And Nicodemus, and they're talking about spiritual matters, all right? And maybe sometimes, maybe you've had a conversation with people about spiritual stuff, all right? And that's what they're basically having. Nicodemus, who probably, he's going to come in the middle of the night because he doesn't want to be seen with Jesus, all right? Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and, and you know, he's kind of like, he's kind of down with Jesus, what he's saying, He's kind of like grooving with what he's saying. So he, he comes in the night, and he, he's just asking some questions. They're talking about spiritual stuff. And, and Jesus says this on him. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus is, is kind of like, he's taken aback here. He's like, what? He, he's, going to the, he's going to the physical, right? And you're thinking, how in the world is that going to happen? 
I'm six foot five, right? How am I going to, anyways, all right, so uh, we'll spare you. Okay, so Jesus, he says, Nicodemus says, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And then we pick up in five, and it says this, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives life or gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants to, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Now listen, this is what I love, that Jesus says this, and this is the fourth point is this, the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. There isn't anything else that gives birth to spiritual life. Nothing else. Your career will not give birth to spiritual life. Your vacation or cruise that you went on will not give birth to spiritual life. Okay? I'm not bitter. Okay? You're bitter. All right, now, seriously, it won't give birth to it, though. The only thing now, now, let me say this. Can... Can a relaxing cruise where you can spend time by yourself and rest your mind and put, your, put yourself in a place where the Holy Spirit can meet you, then can the Holy Spirit give birth to spiritual life? Absolutely. All right? But don't think that spiritual life is going to be born because of an exercise that you're doing. Okay? That's called Religion. All right? And so what we need to understand is that we, we need to meet the Holy Spirit. And look, we, we see the two-step process again. It, it's again repeated from the vision of Ezekiel from, from the forming of Adam. We see that there's a two-step process and that everybody is born, meaning that everybody's walking around looking normal, but that doesn't mean you're alive. Everybody done that before? You've been walking around looking normal, but you are not alive. You've been breathing, but you're dead. Think about this. When the Spirit of God comes in, he gives birth to actual life and life that is abundant. See, so then when we are walking around as flesh and bone and tendons that are all together, and then the Spirit of God breathes into our life that we become alive, that we have something to share, that we have a hope that goes beyond just these four walls, that goes just beyond our life, that that is an eternal hope that we begin to live right now. Now, y'all need to calm down. What's up? I know church is just about to start in three minutes, okay? Okay, but for real, look at this. I can't, I can't like express this enough. I think about this, man. I mean, think about that. I can be alive, but I can actually be dead. I can be alive, and then I could actually live an abundant life with the power of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Ephesians 2. Let 
By the way, a little, uh, little uh, secret. I got a little time here. I couldn't find my Bible anywhere, so I used my other Bible, and I had given up this morning. I was like, I, can't, I, just, I just guess it's gone, and, uh, but I found it. You know where it was? Okay, first of all, who said in the bathroom? Okay. <laughs> Disrespectful. Um, no, I'm kidding. No, I was in the FCA bucket in this office in here that we haven't been in for a week. I'm like, I've just given up. I mean, this Bible's like, this Bible looks like I read the Bible, right? I, you, with sandpaper, you can do it. Like, you can make it look like, it's like a worn pair of jeans, okay? So um, I was kind of sad, though, man. I was like, dang. But then I found it, and I was like, all happy, and okay, we're back. All right, so Ephesians, look at this, made alive with Christ. I want y'all to go with me on this. Now, now don't, get too, don't get pumped, okay? It's too early. All right, so made alive in Christ. This is Ephesians. This is Paul, of course, talking uh, to the church at Ephesus, and, and he says this. And I, can I just say, I love this passage. I love this passage. I'm going I'm to preface it. I was going to do this afterwards, but I'm going, to, I'm going to preface it. I love this passage. Why? Because it is a reminder to all of us. Okay, because I think what we can do is, is we can get into the church game, and we can become, we, we, not, we might not want to admit it, but we can become religious. We can, we can be maybe even full of pride in, in our relationship with God, that, that we boast about it. We could maybe have led some people to, maybe led some people to Christ, and we boast about that, and we continue to boast about it. And so what this one does, it breaks it down for me, though, and it breaks it down for us, and it says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience of your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires of inclinations of our sinful nature. Now, it doesn't matter. You ain't got to go to the umpteenth extreme of what it was for you to be sinful, because you might not have that story, all right? But here's what we have to recognize. Even, when our, even in our denying of Jesus in our lives, we were sinful, Okay, you don't have to have the story. You don't have to have, uh, you know, the rap sheet. You don't have to have all that. You need to, but there is a recognition, God, that I was sinful, that I was, I was chasing after the desires of this world. And so by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But, but check this out. But God is so rich in his mercy and loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of an incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, his workmanship. He has created us anew in Christ, so we can do the things that he, the good things that he planned for us long ago. Now, y'all, 
Let's be honest here. This is good stuff. Because when we look at this passage, we see that we're united, A, we're united with Christ. Okay, I'm going to go back. I'm not even going to say A. Let's just point out a couple things. We've been raised from the dead because of Christ. We are seated with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with him. He's going to point to us in all future ages as examples. Then what are we doing? It's by grace, right? Okay, then I ain't got to do anything. Wrong. All right, here is the deal. The deal is this. We're still saved by grace, but we're commissioned to do things, to go out into the world. It's not a reward system with God. Can you imagine trying to compete with God? We're done. He spoke and the universe was. You're done. The competition's over. And he loved you so much, he sent his only son. Here's the reality that we need to understand, and this needs to stick in our mind. There's two things that we need to understand. Number one is... We were dead. That is the first thing that we need to come to a realization with. The second thing is this. Now we are alive. And see, we have a message that is about the truth and the hope that is found in Jesus, that that we are being restored, that once we were the dry bones. And then there was this rattling noise. And then we, we walked around and we were, we were filled with our, with our sin and what we were delving into. And then, then one day we had an experience where the Holy Spirit breathed life so that we were living, but we were dead. But now we're living and we're alive. And so thankful... I am thankful that God is a God of restoration. I'm thankful that when God speaks, things listen. I'm thankful that the Spirit changes us from the inside out. I am thankful that the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. I'm thankful that I was dead, and I'm thankful that now I am alive. And here's what I want to do real quick, because I'm talking about being thankful. Here's what I want to do. I want us to to physically look around. We can see that the chairs are, uh, there's empty chairs in here. Now, I don't know about you guys, but empty chairs gets me excited, okay? I look at it, and I'm like, okay, what are you going to do, God, all right? When are these chairs going to be filled, God? What, are, what is the plans that, that you have? Who are the people that are going to walk in here that are far from you, that don't know you, but are going to come to know you, that, are, that walk in here dead and leave here alive, because the Spirit of God is breathing new life into them. That's what I want to see. And I think that's what we want to see as Lakeland Vineyard, because I'm tired, guys. We're not playing church anymore. We are the church. We can't play it. We're the bride of Christ. We're the chosen one, right? He is coming back. He's coming back for us, okay? Bro, I want to be inviting people to the party, I don't want an exclusive party. I want to invite for all. When we do our small groups, they're outward looking. When we do our connect groups, they're outward looking. Everything that we do at this church has to be outward looking. So we're trying to invite people to Sunday morning, not so we can be part of the country club, but so that we can see the people come to life. And we're going to walk beside people because that's God has called us to do that. He's called us to walk beside people. And we're not wearing those people like badges on our chest 
okay? We're saying just come along. God's just using us. God's going to do this. I can't do it. God's going to do it. I mean, have you looked at me? I can't do it. But God's speaking life. And so what we're going to do is something weird. Are you guys good with weird? I mean, not weirdo. Okay, that, I'm not good with that either. Here's what I want us to do. Stand up. Okay? There is nothing special about these chairs. You need to understand that. They are made of fabric. They have cushion in them, and they're made of metal welded together. They're very nice chairs. I like them. The only thing, if they could lean a little further back, but I'm not complaining. Okay? <laughs> but seriously, here's what I want us to do. I don't, don't, you ain't got to do your hands in any particular way or anything like that. Here's what I want you to do. If you would just pray with me in agreement over these chairs. These chairs, these empty chairs, what I'm going to say is this. These empty chairs are opportunities. And that's the way that we need to look at them. This is an opportunity to invite someone. This is an opportunity to impact somebody's life. This is an opportunity for someone's eternal destiny to be changed. And so what we're going to do, we're just going to pray over these chairs. All right? So do that with me. God, we come before you. First of all, we come before you knowing that you are God. Knowing that you're in control. Knowing that you have a purpose and a plan. And God, we thank you that, that we are part of that. That you allow us to partner with you in what you're doing. And so, God, I, I want to pray in, for each one of us that are here, each one of us that calls on you as, as the King of kings, as the Lord of lords, as, as Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We, we want to we say, God, would you do what you want to do in our lives? Would you, Father God, would you come and plant vision in our lives, that, that we're going to be a church that loves God. We're going to be a church that loves people. We're going to be a church that goes out and reaches out. We're going to be a church that is outward leaning, inward leaning into you and outward leaning into the community, community because that's what you've called us to do. That's who you've called us to be. And so, Father, we look at these chairs and we thank you, Jesus, for these empty chairs. We thank you for the people that are going to come in here and be set free. We thank you, Jesus, for the drug addicts that are going to come in. We thank you for the people that don't know their identity in you. We thank you for the people that are lost. We thank you for the single mom that's trying to struggle through life without hope, and then she finds hope in you. We thank you for the people's lives who are going to be changed. We thank you for the people right now who are, who are worshiping like uh, creation. They're worshiping like they're not worshiping you, though. God, we thank you for the people that are absolute atheists, God, that, that are, you know, they're even mad at a God that doesn't exist, but God in their minds. And so we thank you for those people that are going to occupy these chairs. And God, that, that you, we thank you too, that you're going to fill us, God, so that, that we have the answer that is you. That God, we don't have to have all the exact theological answers, but we know the answer and the hope is found in you. We thank you, God, that as we leave here, that, that church isn't over, that church just started because we are the church. We thank you that in our places where we go, we become the actual representation of you. And I pray, God, that we would breathe life into those places, that we would speak life, that, that your Holy Spirit, God, would, would empower us to see change happen 
all the while realizing it's nothing that we did, but it's only by your power, God. It's only by you, the one who breathes life. The only one that, that can produce uh, uh, spiritual things is you. You. You are the one who produces spiritual life. And God, we pray for it. We thank you, Jesus, that you're on the move. We pray over the Medela community, God. Have your way. And let it start in each and one of our hearts as we submit to you so that you can do what you desire to do. Give us a vision that's bigger than us. In Jesus' name. Amen.